0: Well, let's ask God now to speak to us through this part of the Bible this morning. Let's pray. Lord, you are the one who is living, you are the one who is alive, and you're the God who loves to speak. And we thank you that you speak through this book, the the Bible, and we thank you that you do that as it's preached as well as read. And Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to each of us, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, and that you give us ears that are willing to receive your word and hearts that are willing to accept it, and lives that are open to being transformed by it. But Lord, as we leave here later on this morning, would we know that we really have heard from you a true and living word from the true and living God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine this scenario. It's Saturday morning, and you're off, and you're lazing around your house, and uh, your phone rings. And so you, you grab your mobile, and you look, and it's a London number. And because we're from Northern Ireland, we go, a London number? Eh, who's that? We don't know who it is, but we, we decide to answer it. And so we answer it, and hello, hello? And what it turns out to be is it turns out that it is someone from Buckingham Palace. As I said, this is a, an illustration, okay? It's not real life. Someone from Buckingham Palace. And what they've got for you is an invitation, Hello, they say, the queen would like you to have lunch with her today. There'll be a limousine at your door in one hour's time. And the only thing you've got to know, you can come and show up, but the only thing you got to know is you must be dressed appropriately. So you hang up the phone and then the panic kicks in, doesn't it? What am I going to wear to go and to see the queen and, and to have lunch with her? And you go into this state of panic and even the men go into a state of panic that one suit that we wear to weddings and funerals, we're just not sure it's going to cut it. We panic. What are we going to wear? And we've got two choices, I guess, in that moment, don't we? We've got one choice, which is just to wear what we're wearing, which is a, a T-shirt, a nice white T-shirt, which we've already spilt something down. You know, we've got our nice dirty T-shirt, and we could wear that to go see the Queen, but of course we know we wouldn't be acceptable in that, don't we? We know the queen has very high standards, even for her own family, and, and we know if we go to Buckingham Palace rocking up in a, a t-shirt with the stains all over it, well, we're not going to get in, are we? And so what's the alternative? Well, we, we put on our very best. We we put on the, the very best we've got. We, we get out that one suit and we even give it a little brush down and we... We get our most fancy shirt and we put it on and we get our nicest tie and we, we polish our shoes. Or if you're a lady, my goodness, you go to town. You get the dress and the bag and the shoes and the makeup and the hair and maybe even a hat. You know, we are going to see your majesty. And, and you dress up in, in the finest that you've got. You, you put on the best you've got. But the reality is that as you sit in the living room, waiting for the limo to arrive, even in your very best, you're just not sure it's going to be good enough even as you sit there in in your best garments in your best clothes with the very best you've got with the the best you own there's that doubt isn't there am i really going to get in to be with the queen wearing this is this really going to be acceptable you know you look at the queen in all her finery and and in her the way she dresses and in all her, her splendor. And you think to yourself, is, is this going to be enough to get me in? We're going to come back to that scenario a, a little bit later on. But I do want to tell you this morning that, that there is an invite for each of you. And, and this invitation, it's a very, very real invitation. And it's not to go and dine with the queen. It's to go and dine with the king of kings. In the Bible, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells this wonderful parable, a story with a heavenly meaning. And he says this in this story. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? Sometimes I think whenever we think of heaven, we think of the Philadelphia ads, you know? People floating about in harps, and and it seems really boring. But actually, Jesus, whenever he paints all of his different pictures of heaven... He paints them in such a way so that they look really, really good. And, and one of the things he says is he says it's, it's like a wedding feast. Think of the best wedding party you've ever been at. The company, the food, the wine, the, the joy. He says that's what heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven, he says, it, it's, like this, it's like this big wedding feast. And Jesus in that story, he makes the point that everyone's invited. So he says that the, the, the master of the feast, he sends people out to, to send the invites out. And interestingly, some people who get invites aren't aren't interested. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're not interested. Some people weren't interested. But it didn't stop the invitations going out because Jesus said then they went out to the highways and the byways and the good and the bad and everybody in between was invited to this wedding. And folks, that's what... You and I, that's what every person here this morning and every person in your family and every person in your work and every person where you live, that's what they're invited to. God proclaims the invitation. You're you're invited to the feast. You're invited to join me. You're invited to sit at my table. You're invited to enjoy me forever. But what's really interesting is that at the end of the story that Jesus tells... A lot of people have responded, if you like, to the invite, and, and they're in. But Jesus says this, and it's a little bit of a, a sting at the end of this story he tells. Because he says this. He says, but when the king came to see the guests, so the, it's like the king has walked out, and he's, he's going to visit everybody who's there, you know, everyone who's come. He's going to, to, to go around the tables and talk to them. It says, when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked, how did you get in without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. And then we're told, the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside. Do you see what Jesus is saying there? He said, everybody's invited to the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Everyone is invited. But to be there, to enjoy that, to get into the party, if you like. You've got to be dressed in the wedding clothes. You've got to be dressed appropriately. You've got to be wearing the right thing. Now, please don't think I'm talking about physical clothes here. Hopefully you've got that. You know, it's not like, you know, we wear a suit and tie all our lives and we're going to get into heaven because we look smart. He's talking about spiritually dressed. You've got to be dressed the right way spiritually. Okay, Marty, get what you're saying. Get that I'm invited. Get that the offer is open. Get that Jesus is saying that I've got to be dressed right. But Marty, what should I wear? What am I supposed to wear to get into the kingdom of heaven? What am I supposed to wear to get in there? What do I need to have on me, if you like, to get into that kingdom? Well, the answer, it's very, very simple. But it's also very challenging. The answer is that we need to be wearing what the Bible calls righteousness. We don't use that word, do we? It's a strange word. It's, it's very much a Bible word. What does that mean? It means that we need to be wearing a record of right living. It means that we need to be wearing a record. We need to be wearing clothes which are perfect, unstained by sin. We need to be le- wearing clothes which, which are completely and utterly perfect. No stain of sin on them. We need to be wearing what the Bible calls in Isaiah a robe of righteousness. And again, the Lord Jesus makes this very, very clear. And if you're challenged by this, you should be because it's really challenging. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says to those listening to them, and listen to these words. He says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness, that's your, your rightness, surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Pharisees, who were they? They were like the most religious of religious people in the world at the time. These were guys who not only tried to keep God's rules, but they made more rules to make sure they didn't break God's rules. Jesus, you you want to get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, Well, your righteousness, it's got to be greater than theirs. My goodness, Jesus. How how on earth? How how on earth are we going to get that? That's what he says. To get into heaven, we we have to have a perfect record. To get into heaven, we have to have a a sinless perfection. We have to be wearing clothes that are unstained by sin. and, And this is a problem, isn't it? This is like a a big problem for for me and for you. And well, it's a big problem for everyone, isn't it? Because none of our records are clean. None of them. None of our clothes are unstained, spiritually speaking. We've spoiled our clothes, haven't we? We, We've spilt lies on them. We've spilt dishonesty on them. We've covered them with selfishness. They've been stained with deciding to go our own way and not God's way. You see, the reality is that every single person here, including myself, our clothes are stained. Stained with sin. And what does that mean? That means that just as we are, just as we are, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven according to Jesus. You might have picked this up a couple of years ago. I'm a big Wimbledon fan. Uh, I worked at one stage for IBM and got to visit Wimbledon. And it was a real privilege. But a couple of years ago at Wimbledon, Lewis Hamilton was invited to the Royal Box. Lewis Hamilton, if you don't know who he is, he's the Formula One driver. He's the world champion. He's a British guy. He's fantastic. And anyway, he was invited to the Royal Box by William and Harry. Now think about that. There's the invitation. They want him to be there. They, they want him to join them in the box, yeah? That's why he was invited. But Lewis Hamilton was told what he had to wear. You've you got to dress appropriately. You're going to need a shirt and a tie. You're going to need a jacket. You know, you, you need to, to dress in, in a way that the, the royal family expect. And you know what Lewis Hamilton did? He just ignored it all. Aye, okay, William and Harry. Okay, Wills, you know, so casual. I'm not listening to you. It's okay, like, we're mates. I'll turn up. I'll wear what I want. I'm sure I know you'll let me in. And so Lewis Hamilton, he he turned up in his lovely smart jeans and his tucked-in flowery open-neck shirt, and he went up to get into the royal box because he'd been invited. And the man on the door said, "I'm so sorry, sir, but you're not wearing the right thing. You've ignored what you were told to wear." And so right now, you, you, you can't come in. And I think he was offered the chance to go home and get changed, but I don't think he was able, so he missed out on the royal box. But that's how some of us think it is. You know, we, we just need to turn up as we are with our sin-stained life, and, and that hopefully we'll get in, but, but that's not the way. Jesus says we have to be robed in righteousness. We have to have a perfect record. We have to be clothed in, in clothes which are not stained in any way by sin. How on earth do we get those clothes? Well, that's what Paul is really getting at in Philippians chapter 3. We're finally getting to our passage. That is what he's actually getting at. You see, whenever it comes to getting right with God, whenever it comes to becoming righteous and having this record that we need, there were some men who lived 2,000 years ago who went around saying that the way to do it was to keep religious rules. And so they would go to places like Philippi where the people hadn't been brought up in a Jewish lifestyle. They'd been un-Jewish people like us and they'd become followers of Jesus and they'd go along to the churches and they'd turn to the church and say, listen, we know you're trusting Jesus, okay? But that's not gonna cut it. No, no, what you need to do, little churches, you need to start keeping our religious rules. So man, you gotta be circumcised. Oh, that. That's what they were saying. Men, if you're not circumcised, you know, our law says you've got to be circumcised to be one of the people of God, so you better be circumcised. And you see those bacon buddies you like, you can throw those out the window because you can't eat pork or prawns anymore, so no more of that. And listen, we know that you say you're trusting Jesus as the sacrifice for your sin, but you actually need to start going to the temple in Jerusalem and making sacrifices. You, you need to do all of this religious stuff. You need to do that if you really want to be accepted. That was their message. And you can hear echoes of that message today, can't you? You can hear it in world religions, can't you? Do X, Y, and Z, and maybe God will accept you. Follow our religious ways, and and maybe God will declare you okay. We hear echoes of this, echoes of this, echoes of this even today. But Paul he writes to the church in Philippi. And you see what he calls the men who were preaching this message? Do you see what he calls the men who were preaching? Listen, to be right with God, you just got to do lots of stuff, keep the rules, be religious, and hope for the best. you see what he calls them? Have a look at 3 verse 1 because it's pretty harsh. He calls them dogs, evil men, mutilators of the flesh, and he tells the Philippians to watch out for them. And why is that? It's because Paul knows that this message is absolutely rubbish. He knows that this message that you can get right with God by being good, by doing religious things, he knows that that is rubbish. He knows it is nonsense. And so he says to them, do not listen to this message. It's not true. You can't get right with God by your own effort of just trying to do religious things or good things. It doesn't work like that. And how does Paul know? Because he's been there. You know, he he would put all of us to shame. This is the guy who who was the best at keeping the rules. Have a look at his CV in verses 5 and 6. Look what he says about himself. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the people of Israel, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, I was persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I was perfect. I have had the most religious background you can think of. I was brought up in a home where we learnt the scriptures and we kept the rules since I was a boy. I was circumcised on the eighth day and from good stock, I speak Hebrew and I read the Hebrew scriptures. I kept all of the rules of the Pharisees even persecuted the church. I thought they were dishonoring God. And as for the law, I've kept it well. The sacrifices that I need to make at the temple, I have made. I've done it all, says Paul. But then what does he say? He says, but you see, in terms of getting right with God, it's just rubbish. In terms of getting right with God, all this stuff, he says, is worthless. Look at verse 7. He says, whatever was to my profit, that's banking language. Whatever I thought I was putting in the bank with God, whatever I thought was earning my salvation, whatever I thought was earning my righteousness, all of this stuff I was doing, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss." For the sake of Christ, I know I now consider it all to be well worthless. And then look at verse eight. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Paul says, "Listen, you see, doing all your religious stuff to to try and and get a right record with God, to try to be perfect in His sight." It's just pointless. It just simply doesn't work. Let me try and give you a reason why it doesn't work. I have got clothes on under this shirt, so don't panic. See, Paul knows that that this is how we are. He knows that we are stained with sin. He, he knows that our record is not good. Look at this rag I'm wearing. That's how we all are, isn't it? And what Paul knows is that Whenever we start to do religious things, thinking that they can make us right with God, it's just a bit like doing this. It's just a bit like kind of sticking stuff, you know, over the sin and, and kind of just hoping that, that at the end of the day, God looks at this and is impressed. Would you be impressed with this? That's what we're doing, Paul says. He says, you know, to, to, to take your clothes and just to add lots of keeping rules and, and doing lots of religious things he says it's, it's just like like patching it up it doesn't, doesn't take away your sin it doesn't cover it it doesn't deal with it and that's why he says it's, it's, it's worthless it's rubbish it, it doesn't actually count it it doesn't make a person righteous our own effort our own religious actions, our our own good deeds, no matter what we do, to try to make ourselves acceptable to God, Paul says it is pointless. It is never going to work. It's never going to work. Because what God requires is a perfect record. What he requires is for you to be wearing clothes that are unstained and absolutely perfect. Oh dear, what are we going to do about this? Let's go back to our scenario with the queen. So there you are, you're sitting in your living room and you've got your finest dress on or you've got your, your finest suit on. And you're sitting there and and you're just wondering, is this going to be good enough? That's like what I'm doing. I'm sitting with my my religious activity. I'm sitting with my good deeds. I'm sitting with my sin and and, and my best efforts. I'm sitting there with my best on. And I'm wondering to myself, is this going to be acceptable and good enough? And there's that doubt and there's that worry and there's that fear that you're going to get to Buckingham Palace and the Queen is going to say, I'm sorry, you're, you're just not dressed appropriately. So you're sitting there and, and you've got that panic and, and the doorbell rings. It's time to go. And so you go and you, you answer the door and, and, and a chauffeur stands there. But what's really interesting is that in his hands, the chauffeur has this beautifully wrapped gift. It's beautifully wrapped. And he says, listen, that, that's for you. And I want you just to to have a look at it and open it before you get in the car here. So you go back into your living room and and you look at the tag. It's from the queen. It's from her majesty herself and it's for you and it's a gift. And and so you you undo the lovely bow and you, you open up the box. And it's a set of the most beautiful clothes you've ever seen in your whole life. It's a set of the, the most beautiful clothes you've ever seen in your whole life. They're perfect. They're, they're just so far beyond anything you've got in your wardrobe. They're, they're like nothing you've ever seen before. They're absolutely perfect. And so what do you do? <laughs> do you wear what you're wearing? <laughs> of course you don't, you don't. You, you, you go upstairs, and uh, I'll not take this off, but you get the idea, and you, you take off your your sin-stained religious clothes, and, and you put on this new, beautiful, perfect outfit that Her Majesty has sent for you to give you as a gift. And Folks, this is how we become acceptable and right in God's eyes you see God knows we could never be acceptable on our own he knows we couldn't do it he knows we're stained with sin and so what did he do he he offers us righteousness as a gift and how do we get that righteousness We, we put our faith in Jesus you see Jesus he's unlike any of us he did not spoil his clothes if you like Jesus walked the earth and he was compassionate and kind all of the time. He he spoke the truth in love, even whenever it was costly. He never lied. He always put other people before himself. He he lived the life that you and I would love to live but just can't. And you know what this perfect one did? He went to a cross and he died on that cross. And he died on that cross so that whenever we put our trust in him, all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt, he takes upon himself. And whenever we do that, whenever we trust him to be the forgiver of our sin, not only does he take our sin, but he gives us his record. He adds his record to our account. He clothes us, if you like, in his righteousness. And this, folks, is the, is the amazing great news of Christianity. This is the, the thing that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. Every other religion says, try hard and you might be good enough. But God, the living God, the God of the Bible says, listen, you can't be good enough. But I'm going to clothe you in the righteousness of my son. All you have to do is trust him as your forgiver. And he will take away your sin. He'll cleanse it away. And he'll wrap you in the robe of his righteousness that when I look at you, I'll see his record in your place. That when I look at you, I'll see you as righteous, as pure, as holy, as blameless. So that you can know me now and enjoy me now and live with me forever. And you see, that's what Paul says he's done. Look at verse 9. I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. I, I'm, I've been found in him. I'm no longer relying on my law keeping and my own good works. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God. Paul says to these Philippians, no longer rely on your own effort." It cannot save you. It cannot make you right with God. But be like me. Rely fully on Christ and receive the beautiful, lovely gift that He has for you. This morning, I have one question that I would like you all to consider. And it's one question with three pictures. And it's this: it's that this morning, as you sit here, what are you wearing? Let's say the limousine comes for you tomorrow without any warning. Let's say you don't have an hour to get ready, but the limousine comes and you must get in it to go and meet with the King of Kings. What are you dressed in? Are you turning up just as you are like Lewis Hamilton with your sin-stained rags hoping to get in? Or are you turning up with a record of all the good things you've done, hoping that that's going to get you in? Or are you showing up, having taken the precious gift that God has given to you, that righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, are you turning up clothed in Christ? This morning, only one outfit will get you in. And this morning, I want to encourage you to, to put that on, to take that gift, to trust in Christ, to be righteous by him, and to start enjoying life with God now, and to enjoy life with him forever. As the words of the hymn say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When he shall come with trumpet sound, O may I then in him be found, Dressed in his righteousness alone, Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, All other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this most precious gift that you give us through Christ. This gift of righteousness that we receive by faith, by putting all of our hope in Jesus, by putting all of our trust in Jesus, by confessing that we've got nothing but sin-stained rags and asking him to give us his perfect righteousness. Lord, thank you for that gift. I pray, Lord, that for anyone here who's not received it, that you would work in their lives in such a way to bring them to the point of taking that gift to be their own. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.